You are listening to the Floxy Hope Podcast. This is your host, Lisa Bloomquist, and today we have Dawn joining us from Hawaii. Thank you so much for joining us, Dawn. Do you mind uh, telling people a little bit about who you are and what your background is? Hi, yeah, Lisa, thank you so much. Um, I'm really happy to be connecting with you today. Um, I am a 51-year-old woman, and I am about four years out from my floxing experience. Um, I took um, I took two uh, tabs, 500 milligrams of levofloxacin prescribed for pneumonia, which after the second um, the second pill, about 12 hours after, I started to feel like um, there was something clearly wrong in my throat and in my mouth, um, like my tongue was swelling, and I suddenly needed to pace rapidly around the house um, like a crazy woman kind of like a cat. Like I just couldn't even like control myself. Um, and I, I paced outside on the deck and I had a flash that I should just dive off the deck onto my head. And so I clearly knew that, you know, something was going wrong and that I needed to get to the doctor because they needed to help me because I knew it was from this um, medication. So, um, I had my husband take me there and, um, the ER doctors looked at me like, so you're having an anxiety attack as if it was really no big deal. But I knew inside my body that, that I was being attacked. Um, it felt like a nuclear bomb had gone off on the inside. Um, um, like my, I can describe my insides as like, um, a boa constrictor was clamping down on my insides. Um, it felt like I was be- being killed from the inside. I don't even know how to explain it, but um, that went into insomnia and just not feeling like myself, a lot of anxiety and like I needed to just find some help. And so I, I called my mom. She lives in a different area. Um, she actually lives in Mexico. And I said, I need your help. Um, because she'd always been able to help me before, you know, after birthing or whatever. Um, uh, it always felt good to have mom around. So I called her and she came and we were trying to just ride it out and drink lots of water and, and, and eat bone broth and try to just ride this thing while it was coming stronger and stronger. Well, I ended up fleeing the island um, because I didn't want my children. I have three children. Um, I didn't want them to see me like that. So I had her take me back to my hometown, Santa Cruz, California, which I was thinking I would find some guidance there, some help, because there was a lot of um, naturopathic doctors, people that I knew from my past history that may be able to help me. Um, So, you know, clearly still I got there. It wasn't really working. Things were continuing to escalate. And at the same time, my mom's going, you know, I need to get back to Baja. I need to get back to my life. And this and that. Why don't you just come down there? And, um, you know, she has kind of like a mini resort. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'll just finally get some sleep and maybe just get to really relax and just take the edge off. And she kept saying, well, maybe you're having trouble in your marriage or maybe it's just or that. And I was like, frick, this is way beyond that. There's something clearly going wrong, you know? And, um, so anyhow, so I end up going down to Baja and just hunkering myself down. Um, and, it was like the symptoms were changing, you know, some of them were more physical, like wonky legs, you know, buzzer sounds in my head, bugs under my skin. Um, 
you know, pains and definitely stuff, but it was like moving all around. So it was like never one thing. Right. But, but seemed to be, um, the worst symptoms for me were in, you know, in the mental state. Um, and those just keep, kept seeming to escalate and escalate. Um, so I spent a lot of time, um, a lot of time with my head just hunkered down under a pillow, writing it out because I, my instincts were not to go get more pharmaceuticals. Um, but what ended up happening is the, um, the ideations, the suicide, the intrusive suicidal ideations were coming faster and faster. And I wasn't getting the breaks in between to sort of regain some strength and, and hunker down for the next round. It was like, I wasn't getting any breaks and, um, they were getting very graphic in that I was having homicidal, um, suicidal ideations about animals. My mom, who was only, you know, two feet away from me. And it wasn't, it was in the form of, um, of bloody gore, like, um, a movie, like a horror movie of me doing these horrendous things. And, and so I just thought I was a crazy person now. And I, the only options I was beginning to see were suicide or, um, mental hospital just to go get locked up, which I knew nothing about, nothing at all, not anything about that. Um, but I felt like, you know, there was a part of me that was like, when I would think about suicide and, and actually following through with that, I wanted to understand how my family was going to have closure. And when you commit suicide, you don't get to know that. And so there was a part of me now looking back, I can see that there was a part of me that was very much looking after myself, um, even though I did not feel that connection whatsoever. I mean, I would say that the most disturbing thing, aside from those graphic ideations, was the fact that I felt blown apart from my heart. Like I did no longer felt my connection to myself and my being and the essence of my love and my care and my connection for people. And I, and I think that that is, um, um, what do they call it? I'm going blank on the name. Um, depersonalization. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, yeah, so that, that's what they call that. Right. So, but you don't understand what that is unless you're feeling it and living it. And, um, so I was there, you know, trying to explain everything to my mom and she was, you know, understanding or trying her best to understand some of it. But again, I stayed hunkered down, um, for, you know, the next four months trying to just ride it out thinking that, you know, I had of course gotten under the group, the fluoroquinolone toxicity group and, and found a lot of, um, um, wisdom there as far as people saying that generally they find that the mental symptoms with this thing subside. And so I was holding on to that, but at the same time they were escalating. And so when you get that close to like suicide, it doesn't, you don't, I didn't feel like I had another choice. It was like, well, I didn't want to swim out in the ocean in Mexico and and then have it fail and then end up in a Mexican jail. Like, so there was this part of me that was working like, oh my gosh, Don, if you do that, you're going to be in maybe bigger trouble than you are now. You don't want to be enduring this in a Mexican jail or, you know, or in a, locked up in Mexico somewhere. So I had her take me up to Santa Clara, um, Santa Clara Health at a mental mental hospital. Um, and she so she flew me up there, and I actually had gotten a hold of I think a Valium or something so that I could make the trip because I was a complete mess out of my skin. 
Um, so I walked through those doors and thought to myself that I might not be coming out because I just thought I was a crazy person now and that I'd be locked up forever because I didn't know how this stuff worked. I just thought this was how I was now. Um, and so then I and, learned and, about And so do you, do you mind, do you, yeah. do you mind me just asking a little question? Um, so how long after your, after your initial reaction and after you took the, um, fluoroquinolone was this? Yeah. So I got, um, my fluoroquinolone was taken on January, um, 21st, 2015. And it was not until the end of May that I took myself, um, so four months or whatever that is five months. Yeah. Um, yeah. So five months. So I would say, you know, that was still, um, what do they call that, that phase in the beginning? The acute phase. Yeah. <laughs> so funny how you forget all these terms, like, and, and, and that's the blessing now. Right. So now that I'm outside the other side of it, I can see that we protect, you know, I'm protected now from a lot of that. It's like, I don't remember some of the terms. I don't remember a lot of what I've endured. Um, but it was horrific. I do know that. Um, so yeah, looking back. So then I went, I went to the ward, checked myself in there. You know, of course what they do there is they drug you. That's what they do. Um, and I thought, you know, I was still kind of believing or thinking that there would be some combination that would actually be the perfect combination for me. Right. I was wanting to believe that, that whole system. And, um, I, my, my experience now um, has shown me that I don't think that's the case. Um, I think that in some ways the medications that I got put on harmed me also. And I do want to say that getting on some of those medications, it looks to me like it may have slowed things down a little bit that was coming at me so fast. The symptoms were coming so fast. Um, and furious and with no breaks. And I do think it slowed it down a little bit, but it by no means cured it. I believe it bought me time and that time tincture has been my biggest healer. Does that make so, sense? <laughs> so, so do you want to share anything about like, you know, what types of drugs they put you on and like how long you were in the the, the sure. mental hospital and kind of what your reactions to those those drugs were like both good both good and bad um sure i sure. like i really i i hear you and what you're mm -hmm. saying with it just mm -hmm. buying you time mm -hmm. and i think that that's actually really important and especially when you're suicidal you know mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. you know if that's what you needed to save your life like that's what you needed to save your life i'm not a fan of really any prescription drugs anymore for no any no period but like you yeah. know sometimes you got to do what you got to do like you know, in order to keep yourself from swimming out into the Mexican ocean and drowning yourself, you know? Um, right. So, so what I do want to say right off the bat to that is that what I learned, um, through again, more groups is that like the, um, you know, the benzodiazepine group and the, um, antidepressant groups and people that were on these things is what I learned is that the repercussions of coming off of those medications can look exactly like what I was enduring before I got put on them. Um, and, and there was some of that after, so that, that comes later, but yeah. So, so moving into my, the, my ward, um, experience was they, they gave me Ativan right off the bat, you know, and one dose of Ativan just bam, changed it all. I was like, Oh, I felt like a miracle. I slept. It was like, Oh my gosh. 
how wonderful, you know? And so, um, yeah, then I stayed in the ward. I don't know. I want to say five days maybe. And then they were ready to like, get me, let me go. And, but, but then the, the doctor tells me, oh, but, but we don't like, um, or doctors don't like prescribing Ativan long-term. So, and, and again, I didn't know anything about this whole system and how it works at the time. And so I was like, well, then I need to stay here until you guys get it right. Because I'm not going to just go right back out there, not being able to take this medication that appears to be helping, but they're not going to prescribe it. Like that just didn't make sense. I'm like, so just, can you guys get it right? And so then they switched me, they switched me to Klonopin, which is longer acting. It's a longer acting benzo. And that one's not, not supposed to be prescribed for more, for long-term either. So, but why they, why they did that and said that, I don't have any idea to this day. But um, I, so I was probably in there 10 days total and I left there on Klonopin, um, Risperidone and Celexa. So I was, I left there with, on those three drugs. Um, and then um, my sister, I stayed in California because I was still having um, suicidal um, and homicidal ideations um, of some of my family members back in Kauai and I did not want to return to that. So I stayed. Um... And the thing that's so weird to me is why we get these ide- ideations about the people that we care the most about. That's what's so disturbing. It's like, how can that be? You know, it's just it's so bad. Um, anyhow, so I stayed in California with my dad and um, I had family members looking after me and helping me. I could not drive still at this, at this stage of the game. Um, and they were trying to tweak my medications because I was having so many um, symptoms or side effects from the medications, but they would just look at me like we've never seen this before, you know, like as if I was just this crazy equation, you know, like I, I, like I was just out in left field and everybody else had it together and that they never had a patient that, that had these amount of symptoms and they just kept kind of trying to tweak them, you know, but it, it wasn't really working. But I ended up finally making it back to Kauai on the medications and I, and I um, transferred to the mental health clinic on Kauai and started working with the doctor there. And then it, it turned out that I ended up on five, on five medications after the tweaking of them. Um, so it was Latuda, which is an antipsychotic, um, Klonopin, Lexapro, Remeron, and Ambien. So I ended up on five and then stayed on the medications total of 13 months um, before I began a 15 month taper off of everything. Um, But it was about the last, oh, I guess it was about a year out, right about January that I started to tap into some of the groups online that would be, um, you know, that were educated around those medications because I had seen that the fluoroquinolone toxicity group was so helpful that there must be groups for these. Right. So I started to look and I, and I found it. And so I lurked in the groups for months before I began my taper and I just gathered as much information as I could and sort of got a theme about, okay, so how do you go about this? And if, if anybody's out there and wants to get off of their um, benzodiazepine, there's an Ashton manual that's out and it's, um, 
it was done by a professor that has done the largest study um, taking people off of benzodiazepines. And so she, she has protocols in there to follow um, and it's recommended never to taper more than 10% per dose per month. And so that's what I followed getting off of all my medications because I didn't want to get thrown back into that state of, you know, where I was at before I got put on them. And that's what I was seeing that could happen. Um, right. And, and you know what, I, from what I've heard from people who have um, gone on and gone off of benzodiazepines, um, a lot of doctors are very unaware of tapering and they take people off way too quickly. And it throws people into protracted benzo withdrawal and then it, it kindles their brain. And, and, and gets them, um, gosh, how do you, how, do you know how you would describe kindling? I mean, from, from what I've heard, it's pretty much like, um, like, you know, jolts and anxiety and, um, and, and, uh, just making your neurotransmitters very, like, almost flammable, you know, feeling. Um, and, and a lot of people go through 